From NPR and WNYC, live from the Bell House in Brooklyn, New York, this is Ask Me Another. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, your host for a brand new hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. Later in the show, we'll sing about transportation alternatives, rewrite some movie titles, and we're going to work out some portmanteaus with our VIP, that's very important puzzler, author and comedian Liz Winstead. It's going to be a heck of a show, or my name doesn't anagram to her ripe begonias. Let's welcome our resident house musician, Jonathan Colton. Hello, everybody. And we have our first two contestants. Please welcome Denny O'Hearn and Eileen Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Eileen, if you could have any job in the entire world, what would it be? Well, if I couldn't be an NPR quiz show host, I would have the job I have now. I'm an elementary school librarian. That's nice. Fantastic. I like your first choice. Denny, how about you? Well... I just built a car wash recently, so I think I'd like to get a job to go around and get people the cars dirty. <laughs> <laughs> you want to make some business. That's good. All right. Our first game is called There's an Apt for That, and it's about aptronyms. Of course, you know aptronyms. Here to explain what exactly an aptronym is, as well as keep score and offer the occasional hint, is our puzzle guru, Will Hines. Oh, hi there, Ophira. Yes, I get up every morning hoping someone will ask me what an aptronym is. A newspaper columnist named Franklin Adams coined the word aptronym to refer to a person's name if it happens to suit his job or characteristic. Very cool, right? Yeah. Okay. Just let that soak in. <laughs> so, contestants, we're going to ask you about people, both real and fictional, whose last names are aptly suited to their professions. For example, if we said Usain is a Jamaican sprinter who runs like lightning, you'd say Bolt. Exactly. So ring in when you know the answer. And the winner of this will move on to our Ask Me One More final round at the end of the show. Let's do it. In 1983, Sally took a historic trip on the Space Shuttle Challenger. Eileen. Sally Ride. That is correct. On the television series Lost, Jack helped guide a flock of extremely lost people. Eileen. Shepard. That is correct, Jack Shepard. Steve hit the jackpot by building Las Vegas hotels and casinos, such as the Mirage and the Bellagio. Eileen. Wynn. Steve Wynn is correct. James Cash was a pioneering retailer whose stores allowed customers to save a few cents. Denny. J.C. Penny. You got that, exactly. James Cash Penny, what a name. On Star Trek The Next Generation, this android kept track of more information than humanly possible. Whoa. Eileen. Data. Data. I got really scared there for a second, contestants. I'm not going to lie. That was almost a heartbreaking moment. <laughs> I love Data. And he didn't love me back because he could not experience love. Can't. He's no, unable I to. Know. That's why I loved him. A 19th century plumber, Thomas was probably the number one man in popularizing the flush toilet. 
Eileen. John. Thomas John. It's a good idea. <laughs> no, that is not correct. Thomas Outhouse. Puzzle uh, the guru? answer is Thomas Crapper. Yeah, Thomas oh. Crapper. Although he's face blind, Chuck is famous for painting large-scale portraits of faces. Denny. Oh, Chuck Face. <laughs> Chuck Face, no. Eileen? Chuck Close. Chuck Close, that is correct. <laughs> the author of The Omnivore's Dilemma, Michael is busy as a bee supporting organic farming. Eileen? Michael Pollan. Michael Pollan, that is correct. This is your final question. As the heroine of a Truman Capote novella, Holly doesn't let anything keep her down. Denny. Holly Go Lightly. Holly Go Lightly, you know that, is correct. Will, who is the winner of that round? Eileen Fitzpatrick. Thank you so much, Denny. Eileen, congratulations. You'll be moving on to our final Ask Me One More round at the end of the show. Congratulations. This is a song by Tom Lehrer, uh, a bit of an aptronym uh, himself. Lehrer in German actually means teacher. I know. <laughs> spring is here, a spring is here. Life is Skittles and life is beer I think the loveliest time of the year is the spring I do, don't you? Of course you do But there's one thing that makes spring complete for me And makes every Sunday a treat for me All the world seems in tune on a spring afternoon When we're poisoning pigeons in the park Every Sunday you'll see Sweetheart and me As we poison the pigeons in the park They see us coming The birdies all try and hide But they still go for peanuts When coated with cyanide The sun's shining bright Everything seems alright When we're poisoning pigeons in the park Jonathan Colton, everybody. We've got our next two contestants settling in. Jamie Green and Paul Griffiths ready to play our next game. Jamie, your hobby is astronomy. I want to know what you do with this hobby. Do you hang out with people and talk stars? Do you drive to a location? I write about it. You write about yeah. it? Alone. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Paul, do you have any smart, nerdy hobbies? Uh, I like to listen to NPR. <laughs> <laughs> that was just too easy. It was too easy. Anything else? Uh, I have two kids that I like to play with. They're both mine. <laughs> and they, they actually encouraged me to come on the show. All right. Two amazing people here. Jonathan? Yes. What are we going to do with them? Uh, we're going to play a game called This, That, or The Other. Uh, the way this works is we are going to name an item, and you tell us to which of three categories that item belongs. Today's categories are pastas, operas, and characters from The Sopranos. <laughs> so to be clear, a type of pasta, 
the title of an opera or a character from the TV series The Sopranos. For example, if we said Papardelle, you would say pasta, because that is a kind of pasta. <laughs> we're going to alternate questions between you, so you don't need to buzz in. Uh, we're going to start with Jamie. Don Giovanni. Opera. Opera is correct. Paul. Fusili Bucati. Pasta. Pasta, yes. It's like we're playing this in Venice. It's because of my rich accent. Yeah. Your Italian accent is phenomenal. I took Italian in college, so, you know. Finally, you're using it. It's the it. language of love. <laughs> I think. <laughs> okay, Jamie. Occhi di lupo. Pasta. Yes, it is a pasta. The, the literal translation of that is wolf eyes, because, of course, as you know, the eyes of a wolf are large and tube-shaped, like the pasta. And delicious. And delicious. Okay, Paul. Mezzi Bombardoni. Pasta. It is a pasta. You are right. Jamie. Ariana and Creta. Sopranos? No, <gasps> sorry, it's an opera. It was Handel. Paul, this one's for you. Beatrice di Tenda. Pasta. No, also an opera. Although, here's maybe what confused you. This is true. The title role was originated by an opera singer named Giuditta Pasta. <laughs> That, that was it. Was that what you were thinking of? Totally. It's true. That is a true fact. Okay, Jamie. Pelizzoni. Pasta? Pasta, yes. It is sort of a super spaghetti. Paul. Fich la mana. Soprano? Yes, indeed. Soprano. Played by character actor Robert Loja. Okay, this is your last set of clues. Jamie, Domenica Bacalieri. Sopranos. Sopranos is correct. You can really feel the tension. Like, this is intense. I just saw Jamie, like, put her hands on her face. Like, just, yeah. The stakes, the stakes are very, very high. I know. When we're talking Sopranos and spaghetti, things go crazy. <laughs> Paul, this is for you. Sorprese liche. Pasta. It is a pasta. It actually means uh, the literal translation of that is smooth surprise. <laughs> which happens to have been my nickname in high school. Will, that is the end of the game. How did they do? We have a tie right now. We have oh a tie between gracious. these two contestants. So I will say this clue, and then we're going to buzz in. Furio Junta. Paul. Opera. That is not right. Well, Jamie. Sopranos? That is correct. So the winner of this round is Jamie. Great contestants. Congratulations, Jamie. You will be coming back at the end of the show.
Our VIP, that's very important puzzler, is comedian and co-creator of The Daily Show, Minnesota native Liz Winstead. Stick around to find out if she knows her home state in a trivia game rewrote just for her. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is NPR's Ask Me Another. Ask Me Another from NPR and WNYC. I'm Ophira Eisenberg. Coming up, we have comedian, author, and word nerd Liz Winstead. Liz loves to create words. For example, a quip can be dripping with Lizcasm, which is Liz's own personal brand of sarcasm. We were so inspired by this that we decided to add some new words to our lexicon, too. It's going to be fun, and I say that Ophira fully. But first... <laughs> Let's let the games continue and welcome our next two contestants, Molly Hirsch and Joe Miscovich. Hi, Molly. Hi. What is your preferred mode of transportation if I said you had to decide between a skateboard or a motorcycle? Motorcycle. All right, interesting. Joe, what would you pick? Can I go rogue and pick a rocket pack? Yeah, you sure can. <laughs> It's time for a musical game, Jonathan. Yes, indeed. This game is called Mistransportation, and it's about songs that feature modes of transportation in their lyrics. But we have cleverly replaced the vehicle in the song with another vehicle. All you have to do is ring in and tell us the original lyric. Are you ready? Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Here we go. So kiss me and smile for me. Tell me that you'll wait for me. Hold me like you'll never let me go Cause I'm leaving on a Segway I don't know when I'll be back again Joe Jet plane? Jet plane is correct If you leave on a Segway, nobody even waves goodbye They're just like It does sort of ruin the poignancy if you are Good riddance. And the people all said, sit down. Sit down, you're rocking the van. People all said, sit down. Sit down, you're rocking the van. And the devil will drag you under by the sharp lapel of your checkered coat. Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, you're rocking the van. Joe. Boat. Boat. You are right. All my friends know the space shuttle. The space shuttle rides a little higher. Joe. Low rider. Low rider is right. Somehow less cool, space shuttle. (laughs) Space shuttle is less cool in this context, which you wouldn't think would be possible. Prius Sally <laughs> Think you better slow that Prius down <laughs> Prius Sally now <laughs> Joe Mustang Mustang, yes 
again, not as cool. Yeah, not well, cool. it's also it's not hard to slow a Prius down. <laughs> Eco-friendly, friendly, not And in fact, by slowing it down, you recover energy from the braking system. <laughs> so it's system. better, it's better. Chicks and ducks and geese better scurry When I take you out in my spaceship When I take you out in my spaceship With the fringe on top oh. Molly Rowboat? <laughs> Rowboat with fringe on top It sounds very nice Joe, do you, do you have an idea? Got it Hang glider Hang glider <laughs> Hang glider with fringe on top. Yeah. Yes. No, that is incorrect. Will, what is, what is the answer? The answer is Surrey. The answer yeah. is Surrey. That's Nobody right. even oh. knows what a Surrey is. Nope. So, so the musical Oklahoma, they didn't know then either. Okay, this is your last clue. I want to ride my monorail. I want to ride my rail. I want to ride my monorail. I want to ride it where I like. Molly. That would be the bicycle. Bicycle is correct. <laughs> Incidentally, you cannot ride a monorail anywhere you like. You must... One way. You must go where the monorail goes. Yep. Space Mountain, Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> Those are all. a couple of options. <laughs> yeah. So, Will, that's the end of the game. How'd they do? Well, they both did great, but our winner for that round is Joe. Well done, Joe. We will see you again at our Ask Me One More final round at the end of the show. Another hand for Molly, everybody. And how about a hand for Jonathan Colton with that game? Hey, you, listener, come here. Are you ready to take your game playing to the next level? Are you hearing the show and thinking, I could do that? Then join us. Attend a live taping of Ask Me Another at the Bell House in Brooklyn, New York. For tickets and info about how to be a contestant, look for us at npr.org. On our stage right now, we have Amy Ruttenberg and Jeremy Carpenter. Jeremy. What is the first movie you remember seeing in theaters? Star Wars, A New Hope. Oh, yeah. I was three, and I only remember the trash compactor scene. But I still have recurring dreams about it. <laughs> dreams, not nightmares. Happy dreams. Happy dreams. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Amy, how about you? The Little Mermaid. Oh, The Little Mermaid. Yeah, it was awesome. They had a... Um, it was an old-school theater, so they had, like, an intermission, and they had prizes and all that stuff. They had prizes? <laughs> it was for kids. So. Yeah. Did you like The Little Mermaid? Were you wanting to be The Little Mermaid kind of thing? No. No? Good. Yeah. <laughs> Smart. We call our next game Get Me Rewrite. What we've done here is we've reworked the titles of some popular movies by changing exactly one letter, and we've rewritten their plots to suit. So we want you to guess the reworked movie title given the new plot descriptions. Puzzle guru Will Hines will explain. Yes, uh, here's an example, contestants. If we said, a long time ago, Luke and Obi-Wan walked into Mos Eisley and went on the greatest pub crawl in the galaxy, that would be Star Bars, changing the W in Star Wars to bars. Fun, right? Sure. Yeah. Ecstatic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Hooray! 
<laughs> That's right, everybody. Okay, contestants, ring in when you know the altered movie title. And here's a hint. The changed letter might be at the beginning of the word or the middle or the end. <laughs> Michael J. Fox plays a surgeon who goes back in time to repair a botched operation. Turns out a stitch in time saves 1.21 gigawatts. They are both stunned. Jeremy. Back doctor to the future? <laughs> yeah, I miss that. Amy? Back to the suture? There you go, back to the suture. Now that Catherine Hepburn and Henry Fonda have left their favorite little body of water, they discover that they have a talent for tag team table tennis. Amy. On Golden Pong. On Golden Pong is correct. Anthony Hopkins plays a devoted British butler in the 1930s who develops a taste for flesh of his father. Yum. Jeremy. Remains of the dad? Yeah. He got that. Betty Davis gives up her Broadway career for a job on a farm, but she finds herself being upstaged yet again by a new ingenue, a female sheep. Amy. All about you. All about you. You are right. All right, this game is too easy for them. <laughs> Get at the harder one. Do them in Latin. Okay. Now that Sandra Bullock's adopted son has become a successful NFL offensive lineman, there's not much else going on for her. Just a boring, humdrum kind of life. Jeremy. The bland side. The bland side. Yeah. Can't wait for the director's cut of that, yeah. It's pretty gratifying. I can see it in both your faces that as soon as you get it, your eyes light up and you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> Las Vegas performers Nomi and Crystal decide to give up the poles to save souls. Not that kind of soul. They become cobblers. Amy. Shoe girls. Shoe girls. <laughs> the romance between Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Zoe Deschanel peters out after they move to Seattle and suffer through 17 months of continuous rain, which is a real drag on their outdoor plans. Jeremy. Secondhand loins. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's so better than what it is. Yeah. Uh, here's a hint. Uh, 17 months is a large collection of days. Several hundred days. About 500 days. I think that's it. The answer is uh, 500 days of bummer instead of 500 days of summer. For your last clue... This is exciting. Will and Jonathan are going to reenact the famous final scene of this 1959 comedy starring Marilyn Monroe and a cross-dressing Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon. I'm not a natural blonde. Doesn't matter. I smoke. I smoke all the time. I don't care. <sighs> Look, 
You don't understand, Osgood. I'm a pig. Well, nobody's perfect. I know the movie. I'm, know just, the movie? I'm just trying to think of the... Oh, the answer, I'm afraid, is uh, some like it hog. <laughs> instead of some like it hot. Well, how did our brave contestants do? Uh, they did wonderfully, but our winner for that round is Amy. Congratulations, Amy. We'll see you again at the end of the show. Right now, I'd like to welcome our very important puzzler. She's a stand-up comic, co-creator of The Daily Show, Air America, and author of the very funny book, Liz Free or Die, Liz Winstead. Welcome to Ask Me Another. You co-created The Daily Show, your dream job, but you did not actually pitch the show. It came to you. Yes. How did that happen? Well, uh, The Daily Show kind of happened for me about four years before The Daily Show actually really happened. I was living in New York, and a friend of mine said, hey, I met a guy that might be great for you. Do you want to go on a blind date? And so I'm from Minnesota, so it's like, oh, I can't really say no. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Whatever. Does he have a record? Uh, you know, okay. Is he on any watch lists or can he move into any neighborhood? If he, that's okay, we can just have him. The La Dolce Vita was playing on the big screen in New York at, a, at, a, at an art house, and I'd never seen it on the big screen. So I'm like, do you want to go see La Dolce Vita? And he goes, well, isn't that in black and white? <laughs> So he's falling asleep through the movie and then rubbing his satin jacket up and down against me as he's falling asleep in his chair and then he's hitting me with the brim of his hat as he wakes up. (laughs) And then I got so annoyed that I took my greasy popcorn hand and I purposely pushed him away and got his satin jacket all stainy. (laughs) And I know, I know, I felt joy for five seconds and then I felt that. And I was like, oh God, I'm from Minnesota, so what do I do after the movie? You want to go have a drink? Because I felt really bad. So he goes, okay, I know a sports bar down the street. And I go, okay, well, thank God it's winter in 1991 because the Yankees won't be on the TV. (laughs) What was on the TV, it was the first night of the first Gulf War. And the entire bar was gathered around this TV and watching. And it was the first time a war had absolutely sort of started in the living room of America. And it was, CNN was the only cable channel at the time you know, all of a sudden there was theme songs and there was graphics and there was like those green lights and all these hot people were on the top of like hotel rooms reporting the war. And I thought to myself as I watched this, are they reporting on a war or trying to sell me a war? And at that point, Johnny Yankees goes, this is so awesome. (laughs) If there was ever a calling or an epiphany or when people say they found God or whatever, it was like, I need to talk about how the media shapes things. I've never paid attention to this before, and now I'm going to all the time. And that's what I did. And my comedy act went from, you know, like straight observational material to really observing the media. And I took a little side job working on Jon Stewart's um, syndicated show. And when that got canceled, our bosses took the job at Comedy Central, and they called Madeline Smithberg, who was the executive producer of the Jon Stewart show, and they said do you guys want to develop this show? Madeline kind of had the chops, the producer chops, and I was kind of this flailing weirdo who had only produced that show. And I was like, sure we do. And she's like, you don't know anything. And I'm like, I know, but what I know is this is a show we need to do. And uh, the one thing I said to the network was, the media itself should be a character. 
Right. You know, so let's let's do it where instead of like SNL's Weekend Update or something, we do a show where it looks like the news, but it's a comedy show and we operate it like a news organization. You grew up in uh, Minnesota. You're from, we're bo- both from big families, by yes. the way. I'm youngest of six. You're youngest of youngest five. Of five. Uh, were you also considered the mistake, by the way? Oh, my God. Here's the deal. By six years. So it's like I'm the youngest of five, <laughs> uh-huh. and then there's Catholic family, and then there's like a six-year gap. We don't know what happened for those six years. Like, my par- like were my parents not having sex? I don't know. It's like questionable. <laughs> I was either supposed to not be or supposed to be a boy because I'm four girls and a boy in my family. Yeah, and uh, just oh, constant disappointment yeah. so, to my poor mother. I always like finding out if our VIPs came from game-playing families. Oh, my God! Yeah, with I your am, family yeah. is an exception. It's like you created your own games. Yes, a game that I did invent, which I'm very proud of, and you were all going to love this and play it at your parties, and I would like you to tweet on Facebook about it. It's called The Lifetime Game. And you go to The is Lifetime... You cry during this game, I, I do. Think. Yeah. You go to The Lifetime television website. <laughs> Already, it's awesome. And you go to movies A to Z, and then somebody reads, oh yeah, somebody reads the um, description of the movie, and then it's like categories where then you write the title of the movie, and it's hilarity beyond. We call you a word nerd so far in the show, but you love making up your own words. In Liz Free or Die, there's all kinds of uh, made-up words, uh, and I would like you to offer some of their definitions for fun. Distrain. <laughs> uh, distrain is um, when you desperately try to mask your disdain for someone who is ridiculous. So it's dismissive and disdain combined into distrain. It's like every day. I need yes. that's like a subway word. Pacum. Pacum. We've all done this. Have you ever gone on a trip and you're a mess? And so you get on your trip and you realize you've packed four pairs of Tevas and a bathrobe and no underwear. So pacum is when you pack in an emotional vacuum <laughs> where you should ask for some assistance to help you because you will find yourself at a wedding without a bra or anything, but you'll have some sneakers and a yoga mat. Yes. <laughs> So we've written our own game, Mashing Up Words, and I was wondering, since you are the expert, if you might like to help me lead it. Why, yes. I always love to lead a game. Thank you so much. Big hand for Liz Winstead, everybody. Thanks. And we'll be back after the break with the nerdiest of word games ever. Back to Ask Me Another, NPR's hour of trivia, puzzles, and word games. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and joining me is Liz Winstead to help me with this game. Thank you, Liz. You're welcome. Let's say hello to our next two contestants, Diane Nora and Jim Quinlan. You are both theater buffs, so Jim, I am going to ask you this. If you could have any playwright write the play about your life, oh boy, who would you pick? Not Edward Albee. No. Maybe Neil Simon. He's got a... <laughs> that's good, yeah. That's he's good. got a comic Very question. Very good. Diane? Chekhov? 
<laughs> wow. All right. Kind of deep. I like you. Uh, that has nothing to do with the game. I was just curious. <laughs> Liz, we know you're a huge word fan. In your essays, you like to make up portmanteaus, which is where you combine two words to make a new word, like smog, which combines smoke and fog. I did not make that up. <laughs> no, your words are much funnier, like uh, anticipointment. Yes, anticipointment. That's a really good word. That is when, basically, it happens a lot on those entertainment shows that are on in the evening. Does Tom Cruise have an affair with John Travolta? And then they come back in commercial. It's like, no, no, not at all. That actually is not what's happening. And you're like, wow, that disappointment of that was really intense. So, well, you've inspired us to make up our own kind of portmanteaus, and this game is called Natalie Portman Toast. Because we're asking you to combine a famous figure's name with a food item. Hooray! <laughs> Puzzle Girl Will Hines, can you please give us an example? I can. Uh, so, contestants, if I said, this star of the 40-year-old virgin greatly enjoys putting a vinegary condiment on his hot dogs, the answer would be Steve Carellish, <laughs> which is Steve Carell plus relish. Pickles with sweet satire mixed right in. So remember, it's the famous person's name first, and then the last syllable of the person's name will blend into the food item. Quoth the author of the poem The Raven, make my traditional New Orleans sandwich on French bread with fried shrimp and oysters. Diane. Edgar Allan Poe boy. That is correct. <laughs> it's a fried dream within a breaded dream. <laughs> Buried underneath your floorboards. <laughs> Though she may dress in raw meat, the flamboyant singer of Poker Face favors this cold tomato-based Spanish vegetable soup. Lady Gaga Spacho. Why, yes it is. Well done, Jim. After this man wrote the musical Phantom of the Opera, he celebrated with a tortilla wrap filled with meat, beans, and rice. Jim. Andrew Lloyd Weberito. <laughs> yes, that is right. The music of the nachos is a side dish that goes with that. All right. The number of times a day you can see this actor play Lenny Briscoe on reruns of Law & Order is about how many layers there are in this sweet Mediterranean pastry made from phyllo dough and honey. Diane. Jerry or baklava? Yes! This Grammy winner might be the only person who adds black-eyed peas to this fruit salad made from coconut, pineapple, mandarin oranges, and mini marshmallows. Did you have hippie parents, both of you? I did not. No. Hmm, that's a problem. Health-conscious parents? They enjoy ambrosia. Yeah. <laughs> they do? They do enjoy ambrosia. And then would they enjoy any oh, of the song oh, stylings? You did away. it. You did it. Diane? Will I Ambrosia? <laughs> There's no I in team. There's no I in team. They just hugged. <laughs> this actor promised Optimus Prime he wouldn't let the Decepticons get hold of the recipe for this French stew made with braised beef in red wine. 
Shia LaBouillon? Oh, uh, Marge, no. <laughs> Marge. Diane, no, that is incorrect. Shia LaBouffe? Shia LaBouff Begonion! Uh, I don't eat meats. Boof Begonion! <laughs> Diane doesn't eat meat, so she wants to be excused from the beef <laughs> questions. Well, well, how'd it work out? Uh, this is very close, but our winner is Diane. Diane, congratulations. That was a tight game and a hard one. Huge round of applause for these two contestants. <laughs> Diane, you'll be coming back for Ask Me One More Final Round at the end of the show. So, Liz, now it's time to put you in the puzzle hot seat. You hail from the great state of Minnesota. I do. As do a lot of famous folk. And that's the subject of this game. Minnesotans we have known. These are all questions about famous people that hail from the North Star State. If you get enough right, Amy Peffer of Belfont, Pennsylvania, is going to win an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube. (gasps) That's right. Stakes are high. My co-puzzler, Jonathan Colton, will help me with this next game. Liz Winston, are you ready? As ready as I will ever be. Let's do it. Okay. As a boy growing up in St. Paul, this man loved drawing pictures of his dog, Spike, who ate weird things like tacks and razor blades. One of these drawings appeared in the newspaper cartoon Ripley's Believe It or Not. Later, he would grow up to draw one of the most popular comic strips of all time. Charles Schultz. That is correct. In 2010, this singer released the song Purple and Gold after watching his beloved Minnesota Vikings beat the Dallas Cowboys. Not coincidentally, he loves the color purple and has a lot of gold records. That would be the prince. You you are right. You are right. Although this actress was born in Olmstead County, she was named for a city in the county next door. You can be sure Johnny Depp remembers her. He tattooed her name on his right arm while they were dating. Winona Ryder. That is correct. And after they broke up, do you know what he changed the tattoo to? Fergus Falls. (laughs) (laughs) Another town in Minnesota. Another town. It said uh, Wyona Forever, and he changed it to Wino Forever. Good. Your friend, Bob Mould who wrote the theme to The Daily Show, was in one of the biggest bands to emerge from the Minneapolis punk rock scene, Husker Du. The band's name came from a popular Danish board game. So the question is... Do you remember? (laughs) Yes, that is the answer to the question, what does Husker Du mean in Danish? Well done. Do you remember? Yeah. A Danish memory game that sounds oh so fun. <laughs> if you pronounced all the umlauts, you would say huskudi. Doesn't sound that punk rock. <laughs> In 1978, this playwright moved from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to St. Paul to take a job writing scripts for the Science Museum. Later, he became a part-time cook for the Little Brothers of the Poor, but he kept writing. And in 1985, his play Fences won a Pulitzer Prize and a Tony Award. And you know this. And I waited on him. 
And he gave me free tickets for Jitney, and the answer is August Wilson. Nice. Yes. Were those tickets the tip, or was there a tip as well? There was also a tip. <laughs> All right, here is a musical clue. <gasps> Closing time. One last call for alcohol, so finish your whiskey or beer. Closing time, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. That 1998 song was the biggest hit of what Minneapolis band? Semisonic. You're right. Yes. Dan Wilson, who also... Can I give you a little trivia on Dan Wilson? Yeah, please. Also wrote the hit Adele song, the one that's really sad, um... Yes, that one. I never She has terrible diction, you're right. I know. It's awful. People never mention that. They're always talking about her hair and her outfits, but man, Adele, speak up. Dan Wilson, I can understand every word that guy says. Give it to Adele, she screws it all up. Finally, this actor attended Southwest High School, your alma mater, graduating in 1944. He starred on the television series Mission Impossible in the 60s, hosted A&E series Biography in the 90s, but comedy fans might know him best for playing Captain Clarence Over in the film Airplane, where he uttered the immortal line, Joey, do you like movies about gladiators? <laughs> <laughs> yes, his brother, James Arness, also attended Minneapolis Southwest High School, and the answer to your question is Peter Graves. That is correct. <laughs> Liz, you did it. Amy is going to win and ask me another Rubik's Yay! Cube. You're going to win and ask me another <gasps> Rubik's Cube. Thank you so much. You are the most amazing VIP. You know everything about your home state. I love my home. There's a lot of Minnesota pride. <laughs> Liz Winstead, everybody. Thanks, you guys. Colton, how about a song? How about one? Here's one from Minnesota native, The Prince. Don't have to be beautiful to turn me on. Just need your body, baby, from dusk till dawn. Don't need experience to turn me out. Just leave it all up to me. Gonna show you what it's all about Don't have to be rich To be my girl Don't have to be cruel To rule my world No particular sign I'm more compatible with Just want your extra time And your kiss Jonathan Colton. Thank you. Now we're going to crown this week's grand champion. Let's bring back the winners from all of our former games from There's an Apt for That, Eileen Fitzpatrick. From This, That, or the Other, Jamie Green. From Miss Transportation, Joe Miskovich. 
from Get Me Rewrite, Amy Ruttenberg, and from Natalie Portman Toast, Diane Nora. I'm going to ask our puzzle guru, Will Hines, to take us out. All right, contestants, this is the final round, and it is called To Be or Not To Be. And the answer to that implied question is two Bs, because every answer in this round will be a two-word phrase or name in which both words start with the letter B. Okay, so for example, if I say, in dystopian Oceana, he's always watching you, you'd say Big Brother. <laughs> so we're going to do this uh, spelling bee style, so that means one wrong answer and you're out. You only have a few seconds to give an answer. Last person standing is the grand winner. So remember, every answer, two-word phrase or name, and both words will begin with the letter B, okay? Eileen, it's a fashion accessory for a martial arts expert. Black belt. That's right. Jamie, these come in innies and outies. Belly buttons. That's right. Joe, sleep tight and don't let these bloodsuckers bite. Bed bugs. Yep. Amy, it's the theme song to the TV show Cops. Bad boys. Right. Just a pause for dignity. Diane, she's a high-voiced cartoon bombshell from the 1930s. Betty Boop. Yes. Eileen, it's a colorful guide to used car prices. Blue Book. Yes. Jamie, he's the title character in The Hobbit. Bilbo Baggins. Yep. Joe, this hip-hop band from New York City had a license to ill. Beastie Boys. Yes. Amy. Rosa Parks started this famous civil rights protest in Montgomery, Alabama. Oh, that's three seconds. Uh, Diane, you can steal this. Rosa Parks started this famous civil rights protest in Montgomery, Alabama. Bus boycott? That's right. Sorry, Amy. We'll say goodbye to you. And uh, Eileen, she won the seventh season of Dancing with the Stars and later became its co-host. Same answer. Brooke Burke? That's right, yes. Jamie, he's the fitness guru who created Tai Bo. Billy Blanks? That's right. <laughs> Joe, reduced respiration as you might have when anxiously waiting. Bated breath. Yes. <laughs> Diane, she's a comedian who starred in Grace Under Fire. Up, step aside, Eileen, do you know this? The comedian who starred in Grace Under Fire? Brett Butler. That's right. Diane, we say goodbye to you. Jamie, he created the comic strip Bloom County. Okay, step aside. Joe, do you know this? Berkeley Breathed. Yes, we'll take that. Uh, so we say goodbye to Jamie. Joe's get back. Eileen. Uh, he's a pop composer who worked with Hal David and Dion Warwick. Burt Bacharach. That's right. Joe. <laughs> French sex symbol turned animal rights activist. What? <laughs> French sex symbol turned animal rights activist. Bridget Bardot. Yes. Eileen. A noted 18th century African-American scientist and almanac writer. Betty Boop. <laughs> Joe? Drawing a blank. All right. We have to go to a tiebreaker. We uh, went through all of them. That was uh, Benjamin Banneker. For this last question, I need you both to pick up your buzzers. I'll say this clue, then the first to buzz in has a chance to win it. 
It's the sitcom story of a lovely lady, a man, and their six kids. Joe. Brady Bunch. That is right. Well done, Eileen. Thank you so much. Joe, congratulations. You're this week's Ask Me Another Big Winner, and what a prize you've won. Our VIP Liz Winstead has agreed to play you in Words with Friends or Scrabble on Facebook. So this is where we say goodbye or until next time, but you can be a puzzle player anywhere. Take us with you by downloading our podcast, or you can always find us on Facebook or Twitter. Just look around for NPR Ask Me Another. Ask Me Another's puzzle guru is Will Hines. Hey, my name anagrams to Hell's I Win. Our house musician is Jonathan Colton. Thou jolt a cannon. Our puzzle editor is Art Chung, with additional puzzle writing by Jonathan Bayliss, Karen Lurie, Josiah Madigan, Dan Schofield, and J. Keith Van Stratton. Ask Me Another is produced by Jesse Baker, Josh Rogeson, John Asante, Eleanor Kagan, and Jess Miller along with Portia Robertson-Migas and Eric Newsom. Curium Zen. We are recorded by Paul Ruest, Noriko Okabe, and David Hurtgen. We'd like to thank The Bell House, Hot Heel Blues, our home in Brooklyn, New York, and our production partner, WNYC. I'm her ripe begonias, Ophira Eisenberg, and this was Ask Me Another from NPR. <laughs> Next time on Ask Me Another, NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia, we dive deep into the dark scientific method of a bona fide genius. I feel sort of like a, a vampire would feel, where like I want to suck the blood of science and dispose of the corpse. I'm Ophira Eisenberg. Join me and Radiolab's Jad Abumrad on Ask Me Another, NPR's guiltiest and most puzzling pleasure.